Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today we have a great nuclear revenge story against an ex-husband. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, how I got one of my bullies fired at work. Bullying is not something that I'm not used to, so when these folks started bullying me at work and I decided that I'd had enough, I was bullied all through high school and even in college I had people try to bully me. They'd have succeeded if I wasn't close friends with my now best friend who's a football star. He played in the school's football team at the time and had something for everyone who as much as made a mean comment about my small frame. High school was different for me though. I was small, still am, and I looked weak. I had the kind of body that made bullies rub their palms together in delight. I was the traditional dork. If you looked up dork, my pictures from high school would probably pop up. Apart from being small, I used glasses, very thick lensed glasses that got broken too many times by bullies. It didn't help that I attended an unruly public school. No one cared about anyone and the school authorities could hardly check the students. They didn't even care to. Parents could not be bothered to if a kid is asked to call their parents. They just drop out or disappear from school for a long time and show up later when all had been forgotten. The only time that the school authority paid any serious attention to the students or took serious action about the action of a student was when things spiraled out of control and drugs and weapons were involved. Nobody cared about minor bullying like making fun of a child, stealing his lunch and breaking his glasses. I was getting severely bullied in school, but I hardly ever told my mom, and even when I did, because I had to explain how my eyeglasses broke, I'd always make sure to minimize the seriousness of what had happened. My mom was a sickle cell patient. On top of that, she was a single mother and raised me all by herself. She worked too hard to send me to school and make sure that she could afford medical care for me and herself. She couldn't afford to have me enroll in a more decent public school or even move out of our neighborhood. I knew she'd worry herself to death if she knew how much I was being bullied, and I didn't want to bother her. So I just never told her about what was going on in school. I instead learned how to avoid getting into trouble with bullies. I learned to fade into the background. The only place where I allowed myself to shine was when I was debating. I was my school's best debater, and because of me and the debate club in general, my school's name was getting out there. I learned how best to deal with bullies when I became a senior. I didn't look at it all though and realized how much of an asset I was to my school. The thieving teachers and school principal needed to put the school out there so we could get donations and they could steal the donations. I noticed that they only got mad when someone was coming between them and their different methods of making some extra money. The government didn't pay them a lot of money so they looked for other ways to make money. I started by pretending to be extremely anxious one morning. Naturally, the principal and his vice were worried about me, their cash cow. They kept trying to calm me down, very concerned about why I was suddenly nervous. I never got shy in front of a crowd. Usually, people see me and think I'm shy and quiet, and I was for the most part. But in front of a crowd, I usually just felt a surge of confidence, and my eloquence was unmatched. My eloquence and confidence accounted for the kind of attention that I received in inter-school debate competitions, 
because people hardly ever believed that I could do that. Someone like me, so small and from a public school with a bad reputation. I told the principal that morning that I could not participate in the debate that was coming up the next day. Why? What's going on? You're supposed to be preparing for the debate tomorrow. I ignored him and just burst out crying. He signaled for the vice principal to talk to me. She was an easygoing woman who always went along with whatever the principal wanted. Because of her easygoing and motherly nature, she enjoyed a measure of goodwill from the students, including me. The principal walked out and let her talk to me. What's wrong? Talk to me, she said softly. I'm scared. Scared of what, baby? No one's going to hurt you, I promise. It felt strange to me that she called me baby, even though she'd called me that many times before. It was just strange because I didn't feel like a baby and I knew for a fact that she'd never call any of the other students that. I hesitated a bit for effect before telling her about the guy that was bullying me. He threatened me about going for the competition. He said if I went, he'd hurt me. After consoling and assuring me that nothing could go wrong, she left me to speak with the principal that same afternoon. My bully was expelled from the school. The principal cited repeated cases of bullying as the reason the school was letting him go, and swore to have him go to jail if he ever bothered anyone in school. That was my first revenge against a bully, and it taught me an important lesson. Nobody really wants to help you until there's something in it for them. The guy who bullied me in high school had bullied many people before, and had gotten away with it because no one cared about those people. The only reason the principal was suddenly angered by his behavior was because I was involved and because I was useful to him. Years after my first experience dealing with a bully, I met two new bullies but this time they were stronger and more subtle. I honestly thought bullying ended in high school and at most college but I was dead wrong. There are bullies everywhere and I soon learned that when I was offered a job at one of the top advertising companies in my city. It was a fairly new agency, but one that had risen to the top in a short time and oversaw the advertising of huge brands. I knew I was in trouble when, on my first day, the receptionist asked if I was one of the new interns and then without waiting for a response from me, asked me if I knew how to make coffee because they were all going to be needing a lot of that. Imagine the embarrassed and perplexed look on her face when the agency's founder walked out to the reception and introduced me as a new top staff member. Oh my god, I'm sorry, I thought... I get that a lot, I said, smiled, and gave her a warm smile. I genuinely meant that it was not uncommon for people to assume I was a teenager, even though at the time, I was well into the latter part of my 20s. What she didn't know was that I wasn't employed because I applied for the job. I was offered the spot by the CEO because I'd gotten quite popular on the internet for creating a free ad for a brand. The brand was so impressed with my work that they reached out, paid me for my work, and used the ad for their official advertisement. Naturally, everyone expected that I'd be inspired to start my own advertising company. It only made sense. When a journalist invited me for an interview, however, I revealed that I wasn't interested in starting my own company but would rather be a part of something else. I had a good background in debating and had perfected the art of persuasion. Before long, I had companies reaching out to me and offering me employment. I finally settled for the offer that made the most sense to me. I had the clout already, so the CEO was excited to see me and have me be a part of his team. He'd done his homework already and decided that I was a beneficial addition. It turned out, however, that the two other members of his team did not agree with him. They had warned him against hiring me, but he went for it regardless. The first time I met them, 
things didn't exactly go well. I must say I did not expect you to be one of them started. Small, I cut in and smiled wryly. He shrugged. Well, yeah, but not that exactly. It was awkward, so I just smiled at the other man and shook hands with him. I look forward to work. I read your interview with one of these online magazines, he interrupted me, and that became the start of a relationship we had at work. It was clear to anyone who cared to look that these men were intimidated by me, and I didn't understand why because they had life going on well for them. They were in their 40s, one was leaning towards his 50s, and had families. I thought their grievance was about my age, but the CEO was younger than they were too. The sick thing about adult bullying is that it isn't as obvious and grossly offensive as when kids do it. For instance, my bully in high school was violent and broke my eyeglasses and that was obvious. These, however, did theirs in a matter so subtle that it wasn't that obvious that they were being bullies. They started by making fun of my looks. At first, it was funny jokes about appearance and I'd even laugh with them. But soon it developed into full-blown jokes made even when I was being serious and all about work. For instance, I could be making a contribution or passing across a suggestion, and one of them would go, Your head looks so tiny I can hardly focus. Whenever that happens, everyone would burst out laughing, including our boss. It was quite traumatizing for me. At some point, I stopped contributing at work. My self-esteem took a hit, and they still wouldn't let me be. I loved selling things and ideas, but they squeezed the joy out of it for me. I dressed up every morning dreading work. It was worse because, just like my high school principal, my boss wasn't willing to do anything about the situation. I told them that their cruel jokes and mockery made me uncomfortable. Oh, they're intimidated by you and are only trying to keep you down. Rise above it, he said, and changed the topic. The bullying only got worse, and because of how they treated me, the interns and other junior staff regarded me too. I knew I'd had enough when an intern called me by the demeaning nickname they slammed on me one day at work. I just knew things had to change. I was going to get them to leave one way or the other. I started by responding to an interviewer who had asked to interview me and letting him know that I was interested in being interviewed. It was a different kind of interview because I allowed myself to be vulnerable on purpose. I talked about my stature and how I was bullied in high school. The interview got more attention than the previous one, and so did the ad that I sold to the popular brand. Again, I started to get offers from other advertising companies. My boss got worried that I'd leave his company and soon started to treat me better. My bullies still kept bullying and making fun of me. It was almost as though they even communicated and decided to make things worse for me. My boss, on the other hand, would shift uncomfortably whenever they made these jokes. He also stopped laughing as heartily as he used to. I noticed when I first started working there that my boss did not exactly like these men. They seemed awfully ageist for people who worked for someone who was younger. My boss tried very hard to not ruffle their feathers, but I knew my boss. Nothing was as important to him as his money, and I was guaranteed to make him those. Brands wanted me on their project, and the only way to get me was to use his agency. He knew this. Also, if I was leaving, chances were that these clients would leave with me too. I planned to leverage my boss's need for me and get him to let go of the bullies. I started by inviting a brand that had contacted me to come down to the office. They sent their representatives and rejected all the pitches we set before them. I deliberately made little contributions and let the office oldies do the work. At some point, the representatives looked uneasy. One could tell that they were disappointed. 
I had done my research and knew just what they wanted. I also knew that my bullies could never satisfy the unique needs of that brand. Since we were not making any progress, my boss suggested they give us a week to come up with new stuff and we'd get back to them. What happened to that man? You looked uninterested. I sighed and just told them everything. The next week came and they rejected all the ideas and decided that our agency wasn't the best fit for them. That made my boss very upset. He invited me into his office and had me sit. Look, I know you're great at this. What do you think we did wrong? Again, I sighed for dramatic effect. I don't know if it's even okay to say this, I started. Please let me know what your thoughts are. We're losing clients and we don't have new ones coming in. We have to do something fast. I told him that we needed younger people with a fresh perspective. Of course, I didn't mention my bullies or blame them for what happened, but my boss understood my point. I had helped water doubts that I knew he already had about them. We still need one of them for their perspective, he muttered. At the end of the month, one of them was given a one-month notice. My boss probably decided on which oldie to let go and chose him. I don't know how it got out, but people started talking about how I made our boss do that. That ended bullying for me in the office, and I dare say, launched the company into consistent success. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that if you are very important to a company, you just get more, I guess you could say, weight in an environment like this. I mean, if you're the rock star and you're doing some stuff and somebody is just being a jerk, not only should they have already have just been fired for the way they were acting in general, but yeah, you're going to have a lot more say in influencing decisions. I think even as impartial as somebody wants to come across, we all have our bias. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Is ...that would allow us to be influenced by somebody who's doing such good work, right? That said, our next story is... How I weaponized my silence as revenge against my abusive ex-husband. When people say the best revenge is silence... They probably mean that the best revenge is to stay mysterious and move on. But that wasn't what I did. My revenge against my abusive ex-husband was to be literally silent when I ought not to be. I watched him walk into danger and his entire life crumbled. I knew all that was going on and could have alerted him, but I didn't. My ex-husband was 11 years older than me. I met him when I was 23. I was a model at the time and though I wasn't getting huge gigs and deals, I was doing well enough to pay my house rent and take care of myself. As the only child of a single mother, I barely had a father figure all my life. At some point I had a stepdad but he left mom suddenly and never reached out to us again. Mom blamed me many times. She said he left because I was too much to handle as a preteen. 
She kept telling me that it was all my fault until her sister visited one day and yelled at her to stop. You're damaging her, her sister had screamed. My mom stopped, but the damage had been done already. I blamed myself for how my mom's life turned out because she blamed me too. The interesting part is my mom did actually have a good life. She made a decent amount of money, and her career slowed down a bit after she had me, but she caught up with her peers later on. The only problem was that she was never able to hold down a relationship, and that pissed her off. That single flaw ruined everything for her. She just never believed she was worth anything or that her achievement counted for anything because she had no man. I wanted to get out of my mom's life very fast because I blamed myself for everything. I wanted to get out of her hair so she could date and do whatever else she wanted to do. When I was nearly 18, I left home. My mom had enough money to pay for my college tuition and in all fairness, she actually did offer to do so, but I refused. I wasn't interested in being a burden to her anymore. I just wanted out, so I left home and kickstarted my modeling career alongside my best friend. My best friend, unlike me, was very outgoing, energetic, and super ambitious. She was beautiful and she knew it. She was also very determined to use her beauty to get to the very top and she did that. She dated only wealthy men, men who could contribute something to her life, something that would help her in her climb to success. She also never hesitated to dump a man when she met another who was more influential or richer. She had a goal and she could never be stopped. She always managed to score invitations to special events that even those in influential positions felt lucky to be invited to. She secured an invitation to one of those parties one day and asked to take me as her plus one. Aren't you going with your boyfriend? I asked her. My best friend was seeing a married man who was also a music producer. I knew she got the invitation through him and was surprised that he'd invite her, but not as his date. Him? Nah, that's not smart and he knows it too. He offered to have me on his arm as his date, but I refused. Until his divorce is final, I don't want to be seen in public with him. I say, isn't he separated from his wife? Not yet. She's going to be at the event. I just don't know if they're coming together. It's going to be obvious that something's going on if they don't attend together, I pointed out. True, that's why I need you. I know he may succumb to pressure and go with her. These men are very particular about how they are perceived by the public. He may agree to go with her even though he lives at the hotel now just to keep up appearances. My best friend was smart, and she knew just how everything worked, even though she didn't exactly grow up having much. I say, so why do you need my help? I need to be there, honey. I need to be in the same room with his wife so he can compare and see what he'd miss out on if he decides to be foolish and return to her. But I can't go with a man as my plus one. That would piss him off. I say, so you want to go with a woman? A beautiful woman, she corrected me. We'll steal the show at the event. I promise you. My best friend had always dreamed of a life where we went out together and turned heads. I was shy and way more reserved than she was. I also worked twice as hard since I worked as a waitress and modeled too. I barely had the time to honor any of her invitations. I decided to go with her this one time and see what life was like on the other side. My best friend was friends with a young girl who could make great copies of designer outfits and she charged a paltry amount of money. My best friend would take pictures of outfits from popular designers and take them to her. She would then go into the market, source for the materials, and make just the replica. It was hard to suspect that my friend wasn't wearing the real deal when she looked hot and regal in those outfits. Sometimes she created her own designs and had her seamstress friend bring them to life for her. 
For the event, my friend designed a dress for the two of us. We went to the seamstress, and my friend described just what we wanted to her. Nearly a fortnight later, we went in for our first fitting, and the dress looked awesome. She made a few corrections, and we left. As my best friend predicted, we were the toast of the event, and we turned heads. My best friend taught me just how to lie about where our dresses came from, and I learned very fast. Women came up to me to ask where I got my dress, and I told them it was a custom-made dress from a popular designer. I had it specifically designed for me, I lied to them. I soon understood why my best friend wanted to be a part of the glamorous life so badly. I had waited tables and served drinks at different high-end parties, but to be there as the guest? To be the one who is served and not the one serving was an entirely different feeling and I felt awesome. It was at this party that I met my ex-husband, a movie director that I'd seen a couple of times on TV. He was 11 years older and he looked a couple of years older than his age. I'd noticed him stealing glances at him and our eyes even met once, but I quickly looked away and scanned the room for my best friend. This is not the time to abandon me, I whispered to myself when I saw him walking toward me. I did a quick scan around the hall for my friend and spotted her exchanging pleasantries with a man who looked old enough to be in his late 80s and relied heavily on his cane. As soon as I spotted her, I walked away quickly and slid my arms into hers. She turned to me and sweetly introduced me to the elderly man. That man has been looking at me all evening, I said to her when the elderly man left. I drew the direction of where the man was on her palm. It was a trick that she taught me when we first met. Oh, him? He's a movie director. You must have seen him on TV or even in magazines. I said, oh yes, I have. What does he want from me? Isn't he married? I whispered the word married like it was a taboo word and regretted it almost immediately. Perhaps I shouldn't be so insensitive since my best friend was seeing a married man at the time. No, he's recently divorced. His wife left him and granted an interview where she described him as physically abusive. I said, really? He doesn't look like it. Look what? My best friend asked, giving me a funny look. He doesn't look violent. Sweetie, nobody looks violent. Hello, ladies, I heard a husky voice behind me. It was the man who had been looking at me all evening, and the man who made the next five years of my life the most horrible five years of my life. People tell me that I had daddy issues and that I had married my dad, but I think I married my mom and dad. I married a man who was as emotionally absent as my father and a man who was as abusive as my mother. When I started dating my ex-husband, he was the sweetest, most charming man ever. He took me out on nice, fancy dates, bought me clothes, shoes, and expensive skincare products, and took me out with him to events which were something my best friend told me men of his status rarely do, especially early on in the relationship. He asked me to date him exclusively. I told my best friend one afternoon after getting off the phone with him. Whoa, slow down. You think things are moving too fast? I asked. You think they aren't? My best friend asked, watching me intently. I don't know, you tell me. She had more experience than I did in that department. I'll say wait it out. You do know that his ex-wife accused him of physical abuse. He said she made it up to get custody of the children, but she still didn't get them. She was the violent one in their marriage. My best friend just shrugged and said... Just be careful, love. These men... She shook her head. That was the same reaction I got when I told her that he'd proposed less than four months later. I just want you to be careful, babe, she'd said. I moved in with my ex and that was where my modeling career ended. I'm not comfortable with my woman wearing all that trash and showing the world her body, he'd said. 
I stopped modeling, but I didn't feel like I missed out on anything. I was doing it for the money anyway, and I had a more comfortable life than I could have ever dreamed of. My ex soon became uncomfortable with my friendship with my best friend. He never outrightly ordered me to stop being friends with her, but he started to accuse me of caring more about her than I did him. He got jealous when we hung out together and would refuse to speak to me as punishment. In no time, I gave up my friendship with her too. She was bothered that I'd stopped hanging out with her as much and that we hardly talked. She kept complaining until she stopped and we stopped communicating. The only friends I had left were my husband's friends and their wives. It was almost as though my ex had been waiting patiently for me to fall out with my best friend before he launched his attack on me. He started by saying extremely mean things about my body. He would say these things and watch me cry. It pleased him to hurt me. He called me names around his kids and cursed at me. After that came the sexual starvation. He'd refuse to hook up with me and even when he did, it was after I'd begged and begged. He'd then do whatever he wanted with me and I dared not complain if he'd stopped. He told me many times that he made me so he could break me. I believed him. You were nobody before I met you, he'd say to me repeatedly. I cried so much in the five years of being married to me that my eyes started to hurt and I stopped seeing as clearly as I used to. That was how bad it was. I wanted to leave, but I couldn't. Leaving him would mean that I would get nothing, so I looked out for ways to destroy him. Sadly, there was no way to harm him directly. One day, however, I got lucky. One of the wives of his friends, who was on her way to divorcing her husband, asked to have lunch with me. We went out together and she revealed a huge secret to me. A couple of top dogs were secretly planning my ex-husband's downfall. They had their plans all mapped out and were sick of him so they wanted to take him down finally. They were going to trap him by encouraging him to produce a movie and ruin the production for him. He'd made two bad movies in the past and not many people were willing to take the risk on him. But one last executive producer, they knew that if he lost this chance with that last person, it would ruin things for him totally in the industry. She advised me to warn my ex to not be lured into producing a new movie yet and to stick to getting hired as a director for the production of others. I assured her I'd tell him about it, but of course, I didn't plan to. I heard my ex talk many times about his new movie, but I said nothing. He finally got the initial funding for his movie and was really excited. While he celebrated his win, I wished that the plans of his enemies would come together, and they did. First of all, they held the storyline in dispute and sued him for intellectual theft. They made the lead actor back out and that was after he'd been announced as the lead actor and had people excited. The producing company and its management got very angry that they demanded a refund or at least half of the money expended and my ex could hardly account for the funds. Many other charges were leveled against him and he soon started living in and out of the court. He was spending so much money on legal fees while mourning the betrayal of his friends. It was at this time that I asked for a divorce and a small amount of money for settlement. He could not fight me because his hands were tied. His enemies were just waiting for something else to nail him. And if yet another ex-wife speaks out about him being abusive, that would be the final nail on his coffin. That was how I left him unscathed and with a decent amount of money to start over. I literally got back at my ex by just keeping vital information away from him. Well, considering the fact that this guy did actually turn out to be somewhat abusive, I think we can all kind of agree that it was pretty deserved. 
But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.